Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1264. It should be THX 1264, I think, in the Star Wars context. Entitled The Jandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast title is Potter Fet Wrong and You Are Sarlacc Tucker. (laughs) I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And yeah, well, here we are. Yes, uh, it's arrived. It's it is arrived. here. This is the way. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Disney Plus. Yes. Mm. Fanfare, loads of fanfare, yeah, and much, it has landed. I, I noticed you did a, a piece last week on... Um, yes, just outlining some, outlining some of the things we could come to expect on there. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, you realise the, the reach of the... Mouse ears goes a lot further than we'd thought. Yes. But I actually, I've signed up to um, watch The Mandalorian, but I was so engrossed in that I haven't even browsed yet. I have done that. So, because, yeah, I joined up last night in preparation, watched all three episodes that were available, but then, yeah, didn't really have a look around. So I bet you will like The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yes, I did see that was going to be on there. (laughs) Um, And, of course, uh, a bunch of... um, Marvel movies, yes, all of them. Always good to have those at hand. And more exciting for me because, of course, I've seen all of the live-action ones, uh, the animated, many animated movies, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. old Marvel animated television series going yeah. right back, which excited me a lot because it's something that I hadn't seen before, including um, uh, one that's not so old, a new one called Marvel Rising, okay, which um, teams up uh, Squirrel Girl and. That's uh, Ms. Marvel. Some of your faves. Some of my faves, yeah. So actually, we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, they were saying that because um, Stan had a big bunch of. Uh, they did, yes. Yeah. So they had all the a lot of the Disney and Marvel properties. So they must have struck some kind of deal hmm. to fill the white space before because then Disney Plus was announced. And then I think everyone, I mean, who's engaged with these things, assumed that those things will probably disappear off stand. And a bunch of them have already gone. Mm. So I wonder how that will play out. Yeah. Well, we will see. Mm. But we have seen The Mandalorian. Yes. Um, is it uh, dropping an episode per week? or? Well, it did one episode. Then it did the smart thing and waited only a couple of days for episode two. Uh-huh. So there was time for a bit of hype to build, but people could probably knock off two episodes and then write those up, uh-huh. which I think turned out to be quite good because two episode two is kind of really amps things up a little. Uh-huh. Um, and then they released uh, they're on a weekly schedule now. Uh-huh. So each week, each Friday. Because it's too much. <laughs> and it's smart because there's people talking, there's anticipation. It's that old build up. Um, that I think Netflix forgoes some of that by dropping everything at once. So They can do, but um, I'm watching um, 
on Netflix a good place one episode mm. at a time as they're dropping. That's true. So that's, they do that. That's because that's not a Netflix show. Yeah. So they have to wait for that to actually be available. <laughs> but all so of complicated. their all of their actual shows, they usually just drop them all at once. So. Ah, yeah. Yes. So anything you see on Netflix that comes out weekly, it's because in the on whatever network, hmm. that's how they release them. Well, I go way back with Star Wars to 1977. When I saw it 14 times in the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) It was before my time. Yes. I was um, a young Jedi. Or was it a Sith? A young Sith. Yeah, a young Sith. Um, And one of the early uh, entries in it, because they weren't expecting it to be as big a hit as it was. And in fact, they they got caught with with their action figures down. And they didn't actually have the toys ready for that Christmas for 1977. So it was like they act, they were actually sending out little um, uh, sort of IOU toy certificates that you could A buy. mistake they would never make again, no, no. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they haven't looked back since. Uh, and mostly because action figures, heads, they're not supposed to turn 360 degrees. So, you know, it's hard to look back. Some of them do. Uh, anyway, the... Um, in the inter- interim, because they, they, they started uh, The Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. um, to fill that gap, unexpected vacuum, mm-hmm. they um, produced a Star Wars holiday special. Ah, the infamous holiday special. Mm-hmm. And in that, there was a cartoon animated um, uh, short about Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. Yes. So this is before he appears in The Empire Strikes Back. And he was very cool in that. And, mm. and this established this, I think, completely unwarranted cool reputation for Boba Fett. <laughs> you think it's unwarranted? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. I mean, this is, you know, you watch his actual stuff on screen. And, yeah, he wears this uh, interesting scavenged armour and yeah. can do a few tricks. But like I said, he ends up tripping over his own feet and ending and that is being true. by a sailor. When he, yes, true, true. And then we, you know, we go into the prequels later on, and we um, we find out his dad is Jango Fett, who mm-hmm. also wore Mandalorian special armor. Yes. And what does he do? His big moment is he jumps into an arena full of lightsaber armed <laughs> Jedi knights for close quarter combat. <laughs> In what world does that make any? tactical sense at all (laughs) well i mean then this is the renaissance then of uh correcting those cool mistakes i would think so i I think you you know they they established that that was he was potentially was a very cool character Mm. and i'm beginning to wonder if it was just the armor that was a very cool character well i mean yeah Mm. so leaving all that rubbish aside (laughs) in the dustbin of history or the, or perhaps the um, the upside down helmet yes, of history. Exactly. Um, we've got the Mandalorian, which is a, a new Star Wars series, mm-hmm. television series, and the flagship, really, for um, Disney Plus. Disney Plus live action. Live action, directed by John Favreau. Yes, or at least uh, created some of the episodes he's directed. And he comes up a lot on that, so on mm. this show. Mm. Absolutely. Um, uh, and, yeah, so he's the showrunner of that. And I hadn't realised that when I watched this. I don't know why I missed that tidbit. But, um, yeah, as I dug a bit further, I was like, oh, when the credits came up, I was mm. like, hmm, okay. And, of course, we know um, Favreau from Iron Man mm-hmm. and also from being in the Iron Man 
movies as well as Happy Hogan. Yes. Um, and of course, recently he's had some big hits with The Lion King and The Jungle Book. Yep. And apparently he used some of the technology and things he'd learned from those films to help with yes. this. Yes. He's using um, a games engine mm. to do the uh, special visual effects. But he's also doing a lot of in-camera effects, which mm. I think is really, I mean, very fits with kind of the aesthetic that's expected. And I think it works really well. I think he voices he voices a character in this too, uh, Pre Vizsla, mm. the leader of the Mandalorian Death Watch. <laughs> oh dear! Um, so this is a, a show that's basically, I, I believe, it's a space western. Yes. Um, having watched three episodes, it's pretty obvious. Uh, the other space western. It's a very popular uh, genre crossover. It is. Um, it is. You know, I mean, Star Wars itself is largely a space western anyway. But this lean, leans a lot more into that. It's mm. sort of if you just take the the Han Solo portion. <laughs> mm. And we've we've seen that kind of um, team up uh, space western recently. Most recently, I think, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Um, I go back to movies like um, Outland, yeah, Sean Connery, which was high noon in space, and Firefly, which Firefly. is my favourite space western. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? That's an eastern western, actually. Mm. Yeah. It's. I think everything it does is very clever. Um, space Rangers. I'm digging back here now. Brave Star and The Expanse. That's mm. very much a space western. Blake Seven to some extent. Um, the Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers and Star Trek too has got a lot. About being a Western. Absolutely. You know, a wagon train to the stars. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine is, um, you know, like one of the Westerns that stay in one one town, mm. Gunsmoke. Uh, and, and it's very very popular as a, as a, a comedic episode of um, shows like Red Dwarf, Star Trek, Doctor Who, um, the original Battlestar Galactica and Lost in Space. And there's so much to play with, I think. Yeah. Like there's a lot of fun tropes that you can, you know, sort of mould into fit your story as required. And there's a vast, vast um, pasture of uh, manga and mm. anime, Cowboy Bebop. Yes, um, of course. Cowboy Bebop is so good. Yeah. That's a very prototype um, Firefly, really, isn't it? Edie, oh, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. And they're doing, you know, they're doing a live action, mm, a Netflix yeah, live action yeah. of that. And, of course, uh, Corey McAbee's Stingray Sam and the American Astronaut. Uh, but it's also a space eastern, as John Favreau acknowledges um, – uh, he owes a great debt to uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, mm-hmm. which is um, which was a manga created by uh, Kazuo Koiki and uh, Goseki Kojima, and that came out in the 1970s, and then they adapted it into six films, which had uh, Tomosaburo Wakayama as in the uh, the title role of the Lone Wolf. Um, it had plays, uh, television series, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it was really... Huge and influenced lots of different artists and writers and filmmakers along the way. And clearly Favreau was um, a fan of that, very, very clearly. <laughs> and he, I think that's what's so great is you can tell he's very passionate about the type of material. Mm, mm. They actually reimagined um, Lone Wolf and Cub in 2002 and did one that was set in 2100. Cool. So they did a futurist version, which really feels like the Star Wars one. Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, and of course, if you go along through that, you know, there's the influence of spaghetti westerns and and um, Eastern samurai films, Japanese samurai films, are, mm. were often influenced by American westerns. Yeah. You know, so you've got like um, the whole connection between Seven, seven Samurai, samurai. And Magnificent Seven, and 
So there's a whole sort of... In fact, there's one on... Um, I saw... This week on SBS On Demand. Next Saturday, I think... Oh, gosh, uh, I think I wrote this down correctly. 1.45 a.m. in the morning. Nice. Called Red Sun. Ooh. It's on World Movies. And that's got Tashiro Mifune and Charles Bronson in it. Oh. And it's, it's, it's an awesome little little clip where a samurai travels to um, the American West. So it's like... Okay. Kung Fu sort of territory. I remember watching, I had, and I have on DVD, Sukiyaki Western Django. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's so, it's such a strange film, but I really love it. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a quintessential, it's like deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to Samurai Jack, which I think is actually a, a very, very close match for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, Jendi Tartakovsky's um, exceptionally violent, but it's only against robots. Um <laughs> Animated series, I think from um, uh, Adult Swim. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. One of those networks. And um, Tartakovsky went on to do uh, a very similar to Samurai Jack in tone series for Star Wars called The Clone Wars, which is now part of the... Um, the canon? The, no, no, no. No, it's all not, of is that, it? It's all gone. It's all scrapped, all isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. extended universe. And when I was watching The Mandalorian, I was actually kind of thinking, well, I'm not really big on the, the Star Wars extended universe um, apart from some particular sections. So it's actually kind of good that they've scrapped it all from my point of view. And it is very good for people like me who I'm not that well-versed on a lot of the other media and things like that. So I'm happy to just go straight down the line with with that narrative and I think it makes it a lot neater. Mm. And it's still very rich. We're not missing anything. Mm. Now, who are these Mandalorians? Well, (sighs) this is a complicated kind of thing. Let us dig in. And... You know, peel back the armoured yes. shell of the Mandalorian. If we dare, if we take dare. off the helmet. Yeah. Um, well, there's a there's a whole Judge Dredd thing going on there. Exactly. Except we don't see his chin. I mean, how do they... Anyway. <laughs> there's a lot of practical <laughs> there's a, questions, there's a lot but of those practical aren't very questions. interesting. So, okay, these Mandalorians... It, it, Mandalorian is a planet which mm-hmm. later become a sort of um, um, an alliance of uh, conquered star systems and then sort of um, got melded into the galactic empire of Star Wars. Uh, there was a lot of um, fractious uh, disputations with the Jedi Knights in the time of the Old mm-hmm. Republic because the Mandalorians fancied themselves rather much as a as a as uh, an elite combat, um, combative species. In fact, if you look at the Mandalorians, uh, it's very much like a Klingon thing, mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. warrior sort okay. of military ethos. Well, he says in, in the show, weapons are... What does he say? Part of my religion, or something yeah, like that, yeah. which is like yeah. says everything you need to know. Yeah, and they also remind me of the um, the Saudalka from uh, Dune, mm-hmm. the Emperor's mm-hmm. elite troops, and that the other emperor. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dark mystery, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and they don't ever take off their helmets, and and they're obviously in on on the uppers. Sorry, on hard times in. Uh, in the wake of the uh, the fall of the Empire. So this is that six years after Return of the Jedi? Yes. Yeah. I think I saw five years, but, you know, we're really... Well, it puts it's neither here nor there. They, they, they measure parsecs differently in <laughs> Star Wars, so years as well, probably. Uh, so it's like we, we're actually out in this out on a limb here in the territory between that and the next Star Wars movie. Which I think is good because Rogue One was so wonderful because it sort mm. of took a little slice yep. that we knew things happened mm-hmm. and then did what it wanted with it and it had a bit of freedom. And I think by doing that with this, it's been a very smart decision. It didn't quite work as well with Solo. 
that was... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, no. Let's <laughs> not talk about Solo. No. Okay. So speaking of the Klingons, I'd like to play a track here. Oh, yes. Um, which is the main title of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it struck me that the first few notes is very much like Jerry Goldsmith sort of territory of um, the Klingon battle themes. The score for this is very, really gets you right in the mood. I think it's mm. fantastic. Mm. And it's by... Um, Ludwig Göransson. 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 Who is a Swedish composer. We know him from Black Panther. Yeah. Let's go. Hello, Nimrods. <laughs> this is Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I'm Meatwad, the key member of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And guess what? You're listening to Zero G on three triple R FM, Australia's only real classic rock. Right? You do classic rock I here, right? I thought this was easy listening. Ah, uh, whatever. Hey, don't matter. I'll talk all the time. What? But with music, three triple R FM, and no one will defeat the quad laser. That's just great. It's so good. And you listen to those first few notes with the, the woodwinds and stuff and you think, oh, that's very Star Trek Klingon. It's just a perfect um, like leitmotif as well. Like I just really feel it sets the mood um, and they have those really wonderful kind of art concepts at the end of each episode. Yeah. I'd love to see um, the Klingons cool. take on the Mandalorians. <laughs> Not, I'm getting this confused with the Fifth Element guys, the, the Mangalores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who, who the Klingons were just Eat for breakfast, basically, you know. But the Mandalorian's in a hard time, I reckon. Anyway, um, so this is the Mandalorian we're talking about here on Disney Plus mm-hmm. on, on Zero G today. And the title character is actually a, a guy who, so far in the first three episodes that we've seen, they haven't identified with a name. Um, people just call him Mando. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a... Um, a bounty hunter, but mm-hmm. also a Mandalorian from yes. that race of people we were talking about before who make um, combat and armour a religion. Mm-hmm. And you can see how this is right right up my alley, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the fact that he never takes his helmet off, I just love. Yeah. I wonder whether they will ever do anything with that. Maybe, like, he takes a bath, but he keeps his helmet off. <laughs> yeah. There is a part of me who, because I love, so he's played by Pedro Pascal. Yes, who we've seen in Game of Thrones. He was also in Narcos. Mm-hmm. I love that actor. And I feel like just sensing him under there, I, I would just love to see. But I also understand I don't want to see him acting because, you know, the whole vibe is that, you know, he's a Mandalorian. But I just think he does a really good job of acting under a helmet. I want to say his name. Jose Pedro Balmaceda Pascal. Mm. It's a great name. I and just he's just, that. I mean, it's like in V for Vendetta how Hugo Weaving could really, like, made V a real character. I feel like mm. he does the same. Maybe it's because I know it's him under there. Mm. But I feel like, did you feel like you thought he did pretty well considering that you can't see his face? Expertly. He, yeah. he obviously knows how to, how to wear a helmet <laughs> and, and armour. It is a real gift to be able to act underneath prosthetics or some kind of mm. costume because mm. we've seen a lot of actors, really good ones, who can't pull it off when mm. they're under makeup or under... You know? Christopher Eccleston. And Idris mm. Elba, I don't mm. think, quite pulled it off either. No. So anyway. So I think he's, he's fine. He, he has the body English. And it's, he's clearly been channeling Clint Eastwood and, and every other poor person in a space western who's, who's really good at fighting but yeah. also has the crap beaten out of them. And I also like, I mean, how could you not look cool when you're, like, strutting around in some, like, full-on armour and 
that Mandalorian helmet. I've always, anyway. I've always found it so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, he knows what he's doing and, and John Favreau plays off that and clearly he knows all the tropes. Mm. I mean, he's, Favreau did um, Cowboys and Aliens. Was remember. that him? That was him. Oh. It wasn't a great movie. No. But it showed that he did love yeah, yeah. mixing genres yeah. with Westerns. Interesting. Um, other actors in it, uh, Carl Weathers yes. shows up. Uh, it was interesting. That's another race the uh, the um, the Klingons would like to fight. I mean, the Predators, because he was Dylan in Predator. Mm. Uh, and Werner Herzog <gasps> I, in a cameo. If you can get Werner Herzog in a thing... Like, you've done well. I love Herzog. I did, like, a whole bunch of essays and stuff on him when I was oh, really? at university. Yeah, 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 yeah. On his um, kind of documentary work and some yeah. of his oh, older yes. films, um, like La Soufrière, which is this one about a volcano. Yes. Anyway. Um, oh, I love Herzog. He's amazing. And, you know, he has a very distinctive voice. Yes, he's got the delivery. <laughs> now, he's the client who commissions our Mandalorian bounty hunter mm. to uh, bring back a package, yes. shall we say. I think we shouldn't spoil that too much. <sighs> I mean, I feel like you've probably had it spoiled for you anyway if you've been anywhere on the internet, but let's not go too yeah, far into that. I think if there's anybody left here that could still be a surprise, let's leave it a surprise. Yeah, until next week at least. Yeah, because I want to talk about it. So next yeah. week, next week. Nick, Nick Nolte plays an ugnaught moisture farmer. And once you know it's him, you're like, mm, yeah, that brow, yeah. recognise him. I don't know him as well as I should, probably should, but I remember him as David Banner's dad in um, Ang Lee's The Hulk. Did you see? You've probably seen his famous mugshot from. Yeah. It's very scary. Um, Taika Waititi appears. Yes, he well, does. Sort of. He's also <laughs> going to direct the last episode. Oh, cool! From what I looked up, and Bryce Dallas Howard also directs an episode too. I see uh, Gina Carano's name in the um, the cast list as well. Uh, she was in um, Deadpool, played the character of Angel Dust. Yes, she's a, bit. A, she's a uh, mixed martial artist. She's playing an assassin, I think. So, you know, it makes sense. Uh, and another guy, I mean, uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Moff Gideon, he's playing, a, a, a former governor. From Breaking Bad. Yeah. Gus Fring. Mm. Yeah. He's so good in that. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of... Um, They've oh, got a great cast of people here. Emily Swallow plays the um, the armourer mm. for the Mandalorians. Um, which there's is, some nice sequences of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I notice uh, Ming Na Wen is appearing as an assassin. Mm-hmm. And she was, of course, um, uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where she is the cavalry, <laughs> they call her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's uh, so many people in this quality cast just yeah. popping up in yeah. these cameos. And used very well, I thought, mm. in what I've seen so far. We haven't seen all these people yet. but no. no. The first episode, as I was saying, he, uh, the Mandalorian's commissioned. To, yes. uh, to get a package. It's a bit of a quiet setup, yes. but he's a very taciturn fellow in the first episode. Yes, um, it's sort of hanging around ominously in um, seedy space rangers bars. He doesn't with... speak for a long time doesn't? into the episode. No. Lots of goofy and familiar aliens. Uh, here's the thing: it's, it's full of Easter eggs. A lot of yeah. costumes and prosthetics and different uh, creatures and different things. Creatures pop up. and weapons too. Mm. I, I notice a lot of the same sort of. Um, Converting uh, real weapons into um, imaginary blasters mm. and stuff. He's got a hell of a gun in this too. Yeah, a, a long it's rifle. Like a multifaceted. Amazing. Yeah, looks like a big long tuning fork. 
Yeah, yeah, he, it is. And he's got the most marvelous way of um, bringing this thing into action. He yeah. slips the shoulder strap off it and pulls it in under his arm. Yeah, in this smooth, fluid motion. I, I can't help thinking though you'd be running into a lot of um, doorways and hatch combings and. I guess because it's on in such an yeah, angle, but they're the outtakes. I, mm. I guarantee it. <laughs> Nah, not Pedro. He's too cool. And his armour, unlike the Stormtrooper's armour in Star Wars, which I must say seems to be the most useless armour in the history of costuming. It's more cumbersome than anything (laughs) else. It's the sort of thing... I I suspect it's made out of the same um, plastic that they make jewel cases for CDs out of. (laughs) You know, ultimately fragile material. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's rubbish. Looks good, but that's rubbish. Mm. But this Boba Fett one, much more effective Mm -hmm. and useful in... in, Mandalorian. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's a character in itself, uh, especially as they develop a, a sort of a mystique about it yes. and, and repairing it. So. And they talk a little bit more about all of that, which something which I didn't really know much about. Mm. I like that. And John Favreau brings out the procedural of this very well. Yes. He knows a thing or two about armoured procedural, as mm, we know. Mm, mm. And one of the other things they've done is they've taken all of the – because all of this is very well known in Star Wars lore um, – they've taken all of the – signature weapons that the Mandalorian um, carry, and they use them all. Yeah. So, you know, the, the fan, Star Wars fanboys and girls will be out there going... You'll, you'll see the things that you expect to yeah. see in there. Don't worry. Oh, don't there's, fret. There's the whipcord grapple. There's know? even a couple of funny moments. It doesn't play for comedy. This is, I think, a lot less light than... Oh, yeah. It plays it very... Uh, I would say it's even the tone is much more downturn than something like Rogue One, which yes. is, you know, pretty down. Um, I'm, it's, a, I'm amazed at how they t- they take the Star Wars tropes and they make them work. Well, this is the thing. It's so quintessentially Star Wars, yet without the layer of kind of... Or without layer. Without... <laughs> well, exactly. That's a good one. Without kind of that layer of, um, I want to say kind of campness. Yeah. Um, it plays it really straight, but it still feels very authentic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, it's very cool. It just feels like it's set in the Star Wars universe, but the better part of it. Mm. You know, the, the well, perhaps the low red part of it. But... Well, that's it. It's that thing that would be, uh, you know, meanwhile, mm. um, we're actually seeing those stories, you know, like the things that might get cut out of a film. Yeah, when they bring know. in a, a bounty, bounty hunter droid in, into it, um, they're way more lethal than those rubbishy, Trade Federation droids mm, that were in Phantom mm, Menace. Mm. You know, they're actually a force to be reckoned with. Indeed. So to speak. And um, I did see a couple of screen swipes in there, but they were very... Yeah. Uh, I was like, I kind of like that you've still done that. I don't yeah. know. It, it uh, does a really we're, good job of... We're talking of, about scene transition wipes. Yes, yeah. those little little circle wipe or, you know. Yeah. Um, I noticed that. It's pre- I think it's pretty special how it makes... It takes that kind of grittiness of a Western and the Star Wars universe and makes it feel very mm. as one. Mm. That's what I was saying. Um, this is the way to do the Mandalorians, not Boba Fett, not Jango Fett. <laughs> this is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and it held my attention for all three episodes. Yes, me too. I want to see more. They know what they're doing as well. I feel like there there is some things that, that we can't talk about um, that some people think might think would be gimmicky, but I think they're actually done... It's, it's intriguing. It's engaging. Hmm. I'm, I'm into it. I think they've executed it very, very well. Hmm. And, I, and I, it took them a while to actually do a, a POV, point of view shot from inside his helmet, mm. which I was waiting for. There's only been one, hasn't there? There's only there? been one yeah. under bad circumstances. <laughs> mm. uh, and, I, and I like the fact that he's just, he, you watch him, he's, he's sort of 
um, he actually looks a bit tired sometimes oh, in the yeah. armor. And but that's what's so good about it. Yeah. Like he feels real. Mm. So this is this this is <laughs> aimed at me. This is aimed at getting me to become a Star Wars fan. But that's that that ship Starship. Land speeder sandbar just sailed mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm. You can get me back in for specific things, mm. and this is one of those specific things. It's so different to what they're doing in the film universe too. Still, I think. Yeah, I don't know, but it's compl- It's a nice compliment. Mm. It'll be yeah. I like that we've got these two different options happening because, of course, the new rise of what is it? Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, whatever. Is coming up. <laughs> I'm I'm so cynical about those, but. I'm I enjoy, anticipating it. I enjoy bits of them. But, I mean... But they're not, to me... And I know it's not my parade, it's not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, but and I've been sort of so disappointed with the other two. Mm. The second, you didn't the like second, Last Jedi? No, it was better than The Force Awakens. That's right, I remember. I really liked Last Jedi, mm. um, which I know, I mean, there's a lot of opinions. Um, yeah... I think I prefer. I mean, Rogue One for me is like the best Star yeah. Wars property that's come out lately. Yeah. Maybe we'll see how this the rest of this series goes. It could be number one. Well, let's have another track from Ludwig yes. Göransson with Mandalore Way. It's called, which sounds like a street name. <laughs> uh, it's from uh, Chapter Three. You're listening to Zero G on Triple R FM. We want it. We need it. Must have the precious. <gasps> yeah. We had uh, Mr. Ludwig Goransson with Mandalore Way. Such a great score. Yeah, from Samurai Space Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, actually, it's another thing. A Battle Beyond the Stars. It's another space western. Mm. Uh, a, a very, you know, magnificent seven type. And... Um, the spaceship, one of the spaceships in that looks like mm. our Mandalorian little yes, beat-up uh, yeah, space yeah. wreck. I find myself very highly anticipating Friday mm. for the next one. So, that, yeah, they've released three. There'll be five more episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, released every Friday. This one would, it would actually make a pretty good Star Wars movie. It would because each episode is quite short. Mm. Um, and we were just sort of saying that if I hadn't watched sort of the first three as a lump, I really think the more you get into it, the more you like it. Mm. I, f- I definitely feel really good about I mean, first episode I liked, but I like much more after watching quite a bit. Mm. All right. So we're generally in favour of The Mandalorian. Yes. Mm. We'll see how it all pans out. Mm. So it's on Disney Plus at the moment. And I'm actually a hard sort of t- critic on um, Star Wars. Mm. So pitch it past I me. I don't think it? you're the only one. <laughs> um, I think it's been generally quite well received, though. Mm. I, so. I feel like Obi-Wan, betrayed mm. by my Padawan. There's a bit of... Um, there's an interesting uh, thing going on there, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which means something in particular. I can't remember what it was, like, uh, what is it, like um, bathhouse slippers or something <laughs> in, in Japanese. But um, uh, there were uh, particular characters in uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. It was a, a group of um, officials that were something that were like Obani, Obani-Wan or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm rambling there. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll, we'll, we'll just take off from um, the Star Wars universe mm. and land in the MCU. Yes. A brighter, happier place. Another place we enjoy. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a, there is a heap of uh, 
Marvel Universe content on Disney Plus. It's their big thing, really. Yes. The Star Wars yes. stuff. Uh, Having all of it available at once, I think, is the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, all of the – well, not all of it. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, actually, it might have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Come to think of it. Uh, it's got Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. Um, which would be good to revisit. Uh but um, I think it's got two seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Anyway, okay. and they're up to season five or six or something like that. Uh, and I was picking through the old animation, like mm-hmm. um, the old Iron, one of the old Iron Man series and so on, all, all of which I've got anyway, so I don't really need to get there. But there's a Fantastic Four series and there's a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't really explored it as much yet. I'm looking forward to going on there and having a little look around and, and seeing. And there's a few things that I want to watch that I wanted to watch that on stand, but they didn't have. I think um, Winter Soldier was never on there. Oh, yeah. And so I want to watch that. Not Winter Soldier. Which one? The Civil War. Civil War. I was That's having right. a mind blank. Yeah. Civil War, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a mind blank with that one sometimes <laughs> just because Tony doesn't win a fight. But anyway, as he would do in real life, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yes. Speaking of t- team-ups, Marvel Rising. Now, that's one of the um, the cartoon series. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, there's a series of uh, six or so shorts that lead into a movie, an animated movie mm-hmm. called Marvel Rising. And it's um, focusing on uh, the Secret Warriors, which is a small team of superheroes, teenagers, who've got to, uh, you know, Team up because you have to. <laughs> Love a good team up, yeah. though. Uh, and in this team are um, Quake, Daisy Johnson, mm-hmm. whose powers are exactly what you would expect from, yes, she can throw daisies at you, <laughs> <laughs> um, voiced by Chloe Bennett, who actually does the ca- plays the character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, cool. Talk about synergy between good. an animated series. Well, that's when the one thing o- owns everything. You can afford yeah, to do that. Yeah. I've um, got uh, Catherine Cavari playing Ms. Marvel, Kamala mm-hmm. Khan. Um, Dove Cameron playing Ghost Spider and also Gwen Stacy. Some of these ones are actually from alternate universes. Okay. So there's been like a spillover. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Dove Cameron's also got um, the role of Ruby Hale in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in live action. Hmm. Uh, we've got um, Camel McFadden playing a Captain America knockoff called Patriot. Patriot. Uh, yeah, he's got a shield and stars spangled. And of all course, of course. And speaking of stars and spangled, um, Sierra Ramirez plays America Chavez. Now, she's from um, a kind of an alternate future universe. Mm-hmm. So she, at some stage, she actually was like a future Captain America. Oh. Uh, she's Latino. Okay. She is an LGBTQ Latina. character, mm-hmm. and in this case, uh, better make a big deal about it. Um, her she has uh, two mums, so, you know. So this is a, a cartoon that's pitched at kids, and they're not making a big deal about it. So I will. I think it's a wonderful thing to have more diversity in. I think so. Shows. It's about the representation, hmm. and then you know, eventually we'll reach a point where it's not about that at all because it's just the norm to have a wide representation. Someday. Someday. In a better future. Exactly. Um, Ming-Na Wen is playing Hella, the Accuser. Ooh. And again, here, here's the cavalry once again mm-hmm. from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And seems to be getting a lot of work, actually, at the moment. Voice acting, <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Squirrel Girl, Doreen Green. Ah. Milana 
Weintraub is playing this character. I know her from um, Other Space, which is a 22nd century uh, uh, sci-fi comedy web series. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's um, a whole bunch of other people who have voiced uh, Marvel characters in other Marvel animation, like... um, uh, Wingert, you know, he's the guy. Uh, Mike Mick Wingert, who plays um, Iron Man in many of the other uh, Marvel series. Okay. Um, Captain Marvel, um, one of the guys who plays Captain America, all sort of appear, make little cameos in this, which is nice. Uh, those um, six four-minute shorts that I was talking about, uh, the initiation sort of thing, um, shows little micro team-ups and follows um, uh, ghost spiders' um, attempts to clear herself of uh, the accusation of being. Um, the murderer of her best friend Kevin, um, which apparently is not true, <laughs> according to the uh, the story at least. And she runs into the other characters along the way, which allows us to meet them too. Oh. Um, but but Squirrel Girl and Ms Marvel have already teamed up, which is a nice. Thing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so this is the um, the Marvel Rising series. The animated movie is is quite fun. The the little um, if you watch the uh, the shorts in a if you binge watch them. It's not so great because they get interrupted and it's really yeah, staccato. Sure. But it was never meant to be viewed that way. No. But, of course, you can view them that way. <laughs> As with most things in this world these days. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. The, the, the plot um, seems to riff quite well off of the MCU, the mainstream MCU, as well as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so they're, they're, they're pulling in events that are very familiar to me from those other things. So it feels all of a piece. Yeah. Even if some of the, the pieces are a little bit different. And we're going to have a lot more Marvel TV content soon too, so. Well, apparently, because Kevin Faye is now in charge of the comic books as well. Gosh. So, you know, it's like this one giant. He ever thing. has time to himself. No. Like. No. Too busy counting money. Yeah, well, <laughs> and of course, there's merchandise to do with the uh, yes. Marvel Rising too. That's good. Although I've yet to see, like, they've got a Squirrel Girl doll, but there's not like a Marvel Legends series um, um, six-inch action figure. Not which is, yet. Not yet. Mm. Not yet. But there is a Ms. Marvel one. Anyway, I, I quite like this. Um, it's not meant for adults. Uh, it is um, more um, like a kids' show. Yeah, I'd say um, tweenies, if yeah, that's still cool. a word. <laughs> not, 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 not like Superhero Squad is for like sure. very, very young children. Yeah, yeah, but it's a uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, if if I were a kid, I'd probably like this, and I'm an, an alleged adult, and I enjoyed it anyway. Oh. <laughs> a few chuckles in there. Um, and it's also got some good uh, social points to make about otherness hmm. and about treating the inhumans inhumanely. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, good for them. All right, now uh, we'll play a track here, which is riffing off the whole space cowboy thing we were talking about before. Uh, and it's our Bowie track for today, but it's not sung by Bowie, but it is a Bowie song. I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship. Now, this is by the legendary Stardust Cowboy. Now... I always thought, just in my head, that um, Gemini was uh, a Bowie track to start with. I don't mm. know why I thought that, because it's not. Bowie's actually covering that oh. from this guy. I think when I looked it up once, I, I did understand that, but, um, you know, it sort of got lost in the in the back passages of my mind. <laughs> uh, and this one is, uh, he's a Texas um, uh, musician and artiste, is our... Uh, Legendary Stardust Cowboy. And Ziggy Stardust takes his name partly from Ah, this guy. And he would actually be the kind of guy who would be of interest to Zero G, musically speaking. Okay. Even if he didn't have a David Bowie connection. Because his music's 
eclectic. So okay. nearly 50 years ago, Bowie was inspired by this guy with this Stardust connection. Uh, Norman Carl Odom who was born in uh, 1947 in uh, Lubbock, Texas. And they, they think of him as, um, as a leading light, <laughs> in some <laughs> respects, of uh, Psycho Billy okay. in the cool. 1960s. Uh, this is very eclectic stuff. And apparently they gave Bowie um, all of his uh, music, uh, that is to say uh, uh, Autumn's music, mm. because the Mercury record label in the 1960s, which had Bowie, also had this guy's stuff. So right. Just sucked all that in. And Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's really just. Biz- no, me neither. This is a, a new one for me. I, I do like finding stuff out about Bowie that I hadn't known before. So, without further ado, the legendary Stardust Cowboy. Hi, this is Richard E. Grant, and you're listening to Triple R. Cheers and chin chin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, eclectic. Tones of the legendary Stardust Loitering melody. Yeah. And I was saying to Megan, I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Waits wasn't a fan of his. Mm. Yeah, that's our Bowie sort of connected track for today. I like when we do kind of weird ones and learn a little bit of something new. Yeah, it's all lies, (laughs) (laughs) of course. All right, we were talking about Marvel Rising before, which is an animated series and movie on uh, Disney+. Plus. Yes. And now I'm looking at, sadly, mm-hmm. one of the team members who has her own comic book. Oh, and the Marvel Rising things had tie-in comic books as well. Yes. Um, Squirrel Girl, Doreen mm. Green, been going for a while now in the comics. Yes, uh, a run of couple fif- of years. Yes, a few years. 58. Um, although the 50th issue is the final issue. But they rebooted it eight issues in. Of course they did. <laughs> yes, so you've got to sort of count it difficult. <laughs> Which is funny because Doreen, um, as a, as a, uh, a college student, she um, she's a computer um, science major. Oh. And every issue of Squirrel Girl has been full of stuff about computer science that I had no idea about. Like what? Oh, um, I can't remember any of it <laughs> um, because it was all above my pay grade. You know, just uh, interesting discourses and using it as plot devices about um, coding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a simple, simplistic I should read lot it. of coding. That's what I do. Well, there's a lot of strange stuff in here that, that I hadn't known. Yeah. So I, I've been educated. Why am I reading Squirrel Girl comics? <laughs> because originally, when she was introduced um, by uh, Will Murray and Steve Ditko mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, she teamed up with Iron Man, sort of. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes, uh, we've talked about this before. Yes, and they have um, email. Uh, sorry. Um, SMS uh, correspondence is usually listed on a page in each of these things between Squirrel Girl and people. And usually it's often, quite often, it's with Tony Stark. (laughs) And not only that, Stark has featured heavily in all of the uh, stories. So I came for the Iron Man thing and then stuck around for Squirrel Girl. Well, I suspect that's what they wanted. (laughs) I, I don't know why. It could be a second childhood sort of thing. But the character's interesting off the wall, quite, yeah. quite literally, because she has the powers of a squirrel and a girl. So, <laughs> so, so random. So random. I love they can make that work, though. And it does. It does. Um, she has a big foofy squirrel tail that she hides away somehow when she's in the civvies. Nice. But she actually puts on a little, uh, what's the word for that little, is it a headband? Headband, yeah. Well, it actually goes across the top of your head down to your ears. Just, okay. Just like a little. Yeah, like something starting with B. Not a burrito. A barrette. A barrette. It's it. not – a barrette is more like a hair clip, I think. Oh, okay. But like but a combo head, headband barrette. Like, like our headphones. Yeah. But it's got two little squirrel ears. Cute. On top of it. Do they do anything? 
No, not that I can figure here. But she has squirrel hearing, apparently. Which I don't know what use that is. But I've also learned a great deal about squirrels. Yeah. (laughs) Because they make a point of it. It's like when you learn about ants from Ant-Man. Yeah. And she has uh, her companion, Tippy-Toe, which is a Mm -hmm. a very smart, exceptional, that's very Trumpian. Tippy-Toe. Very smart. The best squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Who's a sidekick. And, And a whole cast of characters who have sort of orbited through her, her existence as she's in, in school yeah, and outside school too. And, of course, the, the, the tagline on the comic book is the unbeatable squirrel girl. Yes. And she has thought, thought, fought, sorry, fought Thanos and beaten him. No. She has fought Doctor Doom and oh. defeated him and Galactus, the devourer of worlds. Wow. She buddied up with him, <laughs> had a chat with him, and um, they ended up becoming best friends. Oh. <laughs> so... There's a the thing. This is the last issue when an all seems lost for Squirrel Girl. Um, Iron Man and her other friends and allies, she's surrounded by a legion of superheroes, mm-hmm. including Doctor Doom, uh, and a woman who has stolen all of Tony Stark's armor, so he's running around in his shorts for oh the whole God. story. When in a literal deus ex machina, her old frenemy Galactus shows up, puts a stop to everything without you know devouring the planet. And then there's a long heart-to-heart with Squirrel Girl about endings and how it's okay because she will continue. And, you know, we're reading this and we know what this is about. This is the last issue. I'm devastated by this. Yeah. And then they they, they end it all up with a song, with Squirrel Girl's theme song, (laughs) which is the same as the uh, 1960s Spider-Man theme song. Oh, really? But with her words, you know, it's like... Um, <laughs> I'm going to attempt a bit of it. Uh, Doreen Green, Doreen Green, greatest hero and squirrel queen. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Yeah, so this is the last time we'll see um, Tony Stark in this particular story as well. But um, I'm very sad. And yeah. I've had a great run for 58 yeah. Squirrel Girl comics. Uh, they say, don't panic, she'll be back in some form or another. Yeah, um, no doubt. Probably um, as part of the uh, uh, one of the Avengers spin-off teams because mm-hmm. um, she's been in those for a while. Um, and so I'd expect her to see her teaming up. Possibly with Ms. Marvel, as she's, yeah. she's yeah. done in spin-off comics, and maybe um, more on the animated side as well. Yeah, sure. An area I thought Marvel should be colonising more. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't have enough money. <laughs> so let's have a little track here. Um, do we have enough time to play this and do an out track as well? Let me have a look. Well, we'll actually, we'll, we'll double team them. Oh. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go with um, Born Ready from Marvel Rising uh, animated series by Dove Cameron. And this is a, a single. Dove Cameron is one of the voices of, uh, of, spy, of Ghost Spider, but she is also, she's got her own musical career as well, as I often do mm-hmm. in uh, voice acting. And then the out track for today will be... That's Owl, as in O-L, O-W-L, brother, by the Nutty Squirrels from their bird watching album. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about the Nutty Squirrels. Um, these, this is a group from the, uh, that riffed off the whole concept of the Ch- Alvin and the Chipmunks. Right. So Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks had that speeded up yes, uh, sound. The little, yes, chipmunk sound. And then they, then they wanted to spin them out into a television series. And in between, the Nutty Squirrels cranked up and banged out a few sort of high-speed albums. Wow. And it's very jazzy. And, I can't and I, believe I that was like, like a 
thing at one time, you know. Like, let's all jump on this trend. Let's put the uh, the album on the wrong speed. Yeah, yeah, and it'll sell. And it did. It did. They were were quite chart stoppers. So that's what we're going to go with as we go out today. Great. Um, Marvel Rising, Born Ready, which is the theme song from um, the uh, the Secret Warriors, and um, that's our brother by the Nutty Squirrels. So thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Hmm. And Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.